Becky. Hi, it's Dan. And um, we are the H Word Podcast. We are uh, just experimenting with the sort of the new technology of how we do this podcast when we're very, very far apart geographically. Yes, this is the road setup. Yeah, which will exist for a while as Dan and I sort of dance as though on the edges of a dinner plate with the continent of North America and a bit of Europe, right? Uh, yes, we will dance on the dinner plate. <laughs> yes, we, we just won't be in the same city for months on end. And I'm, I, I don't think it's fair to say that I'm excited about that. I mean, I'm excited that we get to go see new things, but. Yeah, and, and uh, if you, hopefully if all goes to plan, you won't even notice. Me? That we're the audience. Oh, you, the, the, view, audience. the viewers at home. Hello, viewers at home. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Hopefully you notice when you travel. Yeah. Yeah, I I'd noticed yeah. because um, I am I'm in Dawson City, Yukon territory or sorry. Very Dawson, exciting. Dawson City, the Yukon. The Yukon. Yeah. It's current not, temperature. The current temperature is. Ooh, I want to be accurate on this because um, it's. It's very it's very tempting to be hyperbolic right now, but the current uh, temperature yes. is 42 degrees below zero centigrade. And if you're American, wow. that basically just means you're zero. dead. You're dead if you're outside. Or maybe it is zero. No, it's below no, zero. No, don't they meet up? Don't the, I think Fahrenheit and Celsius meet up at negative 40. I think that's what it is. Okay, so it's negative around negative 40 Fahrenheit, if that's true. So that's... That's the weather report from here, and it is wow. um, 4.30 p.m., and it is uh, dusk. It is dusk. Okay, yeah. so the sun has not gone. The sun's gone, but there's, like, light in the sky. Okay. And there's sort of sunset happening everywhere, and there's um, ice fog upon the mountain. Now, it was sunny here today in Toronto, and... I felt the draw to just get outside because it's so rare to see the sun from the outside the clouds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but even when you see the sun there, are you, do you feel like you should go outside or are you just like, well, I'll just watch it from here? Oh, no, 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 no. Um, I, I, I was in Dawson City and Whitehorse last year touring and performing, which is what I'm doing here this year. And um, I found like, so I daily have a sort of a panic um, response at sunset. And... Mm. It, like the panic being, oh, the day's ended. I haven't done enough, and I'm no good. And um, that uh. that now happens like a lot earlier. And the feeling of missing the day here because the day is sh so short. Like here, the sun came over the mountains and was actually shining sunlight onto people and things for like an hour. Mm. And there's yeah. light in the sky for the rest of the time. So like you really do feel it because it's just going to be what feels like days upon days of night, which I love. But you know. It does feel like I think your body, think your body wants that D, vitamin D. Uh, yeah, but uh, but but I'm saying, are you drawn to go outside to, yes. to experience the sun on your face? You are okay. Yeah, I personally. And am. there's a there's a second sunset, right? Um, yeah, I, did I explain this to you before? My the, the the day that I was here and I saw the sunset four times. Yeah, tell me, tell me. Yeah, so I was looking over the Yukon River. I'll see if it happens again this time. But I saw the sunset, but then I turned around behind me, and the sun was also setting behind me because the sort of ice crystals in the air make it so that the sunset is refracted directly across from where it's happening. 
You can see why people wow. get lost in snowdrifts, and, and it's like it's magic. And then it was dark, and then um, we went out to the curling rink, and this woman offered to drive us to the top of this the the dome, the mountain in town, to watch the sunset. And I was like, "But it's dark," and she's like, "Not there." So we went up and we mm-hmm. watched it happen again on either side of us. And I was like, "I'm out. Reality has changed." <laughs> um, so what about Toronto? What's Toronto like? I've been gone for a bit. It's uh, it's cold and gray. Kind of a stony vibe. Mm. Um, actually, not even that cold. Like, um, you know, minus three. Unspectacular. But, uh, yeah, unspectacular is pretty accurate. Yeah. How are you feeling? Yeah. I'm How- feeling uh, good. I, I um, do sympathize with a lot of people that are affected by the lack of sunlight, but I am not someone who's affected by that. Um, I just simply amazing. do not have that seasonal affective problem. Um, so I'm doing okay. Like you just feel, and you know that you don't have it because you just sort of feel the same all year round. Well, just cause I would feel it by now. Like I just, I, 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 I kind of the opposite of you. I kind of get excited at sunset. Um, I, there's something, there's something exciting about the night beginning Ooh. for me. Um, and, uh, that, you know, I get that earlier and uh for longer um in the winter so it's uh but then at nighttime what do you do like do you transition from day to night at sunset or it just feels like a new kind of of yeah so but that but doesn't that mean you have a shorter work day i do consider you and i i think it's i think it's a fair assessment to say that you're much more organized than i am i'm probably organized but i don't know if i work as much as you uh who knows who knows? Who knows we that about anyone know. else? I like. I think that a lot of people, especially Toronto, has a real vibe of making you feel like uh, everyone's working harder than me. Mm-hmm. Because yes. everyone looks really busy. It's like how, like you know, Mussolini always wanted to be pictured running from like car to office. <laughs> <laughs> right. It is a lot like Mussolini. Yeah, my old buddy, yeah. my old buddy Graham told me that tidbit, and it obviously stuck in the old uh, gray matter. It's very, yeah, it's very Putin-esque. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, congratulations on not having seasonal affective disorder. I don't know what I have, but definitely the, I love the night and I hate sunset for some reason. Huh. I don't always hate it. It just, yeah, something happens where part of me, I think part of me goes, get back into your cave, get back into your hovel. No more work can be done, which is not true. It'd be horrible in Canada. But anyway. Um, should we answer the question? Yeah, exactly. We should. Um, I have, I have an interview this week, so we'll be hearing that afterwards, listeners. But first, Dan and I are going to be just checking in with each other and answering the question. Dan, do you have an answer? You want me to go first? Um, you go first. Okay. Um, so what made me hopeful this week is family. Oh, you took mine. Okay. Yeah. What? should have gone. No, but that's yeah. great. We've really been pretty synced up in this. So Yeah, maybe it is weird. Yeah. So and we're very far apart and we're saying family. I mean, you're not my family, you're my best friend, but um That's right. That's right. <laughs> um yeah. but you know, it still it still hurts. The separation hurts. Um I got to hang out with my brother, my younger brother, Kit, and I love him. And we're so far apart. I don't have a lot of family left. Um biological family so Mm -hmm. uh and and 
I know so many people have strange fam- strained family relationships as I had many strained family relationships. And my brother is just this like beacon of wonderfulness to me. I don't know if he'll listen to this, but Kit, I love you if you're listening to this. And if not, who cares? You're living your life great. You don't have to listen to my dumb podcast. And then also, I've sort of married into a really fantastic family too. And oh, yes. Yeah, I have like... You know, my partner and I have been together for so long that his youngest siblings were like 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there when we first got together. And I just, it kind of struck me this week, like I I got to inherit this big family just by luck. Mm. And it, and, and, and I've also been thinking about how like, you know, we've been talking about sort of pop culture and stuff. I think all these things work and they're all answers, but I was left with a bit of a feeling of, I don't know, like I don't want to be too frivolous. Pop culture still exists, but there's a guilt in me of saying things like that, even though those are honest answers. But with this last week, I was like, this is something we're going to need. Mm. These mm-hmm. strong interpersonal connections, people that you love and trust and believe in, um, you feel lucky to know if they, they don't always happen to be your family. In my case, it was by it was a mix of biological and also sort of adoptive family. But mm-hmm. these are some of the most powerful things in your life. You can be like, you know, doing your job and forget that or not be in touch as much. Anyway, that was mine. Mm-hmm. How about you? Yeah, my um, spending some time with my nephews over the over the holiday season. Oh, how old? Um, how old? Uh, Ten and eight. Oh, fun! Yeah, yeah, yeah. A good, uh, a good age at which um, they're not, uh, you know, that they, they haven't turned towards um, the dark side. <laughs> the, the, like I was gonna say, like you know, the, the, drugs and. No, 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 no. The dark, the darkness of adolescence, the dark emotional times. Yeah, the grunty it's, years. The grunty years, exactly. Yeah, these are still very much the like enjoying kid, kidhood. Um, the um the and, one the wonder years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. The wonder year. There's one just just one year. Yeah, the one. It's spelled O N E. It's it's sort of a pun. <laughs> yeah, O N E. The wonder yeah. years. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, but for reals. Yeah, but just uh, like. I don't know. This is a thing that um, probably a lot of like uncles and aunts will describe, which is like when you visit your niece or nephew again and they have developed a personality as distinct from, you know, just an extension of their parents. Um, mm. Something that indicates like the inner life to in a way that um, I can relate to <laughs> uh, is just like... Um, uh very um uh heartening yeah so um that was uh that was really nice and like um you know we uh got along and so this this age eight and ten this is interesting because as we've sort of attached hope to the future though like do you think about future when you think about them um well in the sense that, um, in the sense that the future will be full of its own um, 
its own joys. You know, like the there will be the big picture uh, shifts, which I think will just be generally bad. But within that transition, there will be joy and there will be because because uh, I just think that humanity just won't allow it to be otherwise like there you know any 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 people that are experiencing life certainly without having known something else that they're losing or whatever um will bring joy to it yeah times have never not been bad also uh right yes you know, and we still have fun and, and things like that. And we laugh. And yeah, this is kind of this is actually kind of what I was feeling, too, is like it can be very in my head about where we're going in the future. But um, actually, places like Dawson, people are very one on one with each other. Your phone battery just like drains itself immediately in this weather. So there's no point in texting people. So people like talk to each other. And it's such a small community also that there's accountability for your actions and there's also a forgiveness towards things as long as you're moving forward in a really real way and i feel like i see what we're gonna the the other things about Mm. humanity that may be living in toronto and just sitting at my desk all day trying to write jokes i don't see yeah you know that is a that is a sidebar that is a fascinating tidbit about being somewhere so cold is that it's not like we don't get a signal out here. It's like, no, the battery just doesn't work. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I actually learned um, today that at 54 below, the planes can't start. The planes can't start. <laughs> now, we're at 43, I think I said, 42. So we're far yeah. away from that. But it was going up to like it, it, down to 46, 48 below. So they're getting close. And it was just told like, if you have a flight and you look at your phone and it's any 54 below or colder, don't go to the airport because the plane won't start. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, huh. yeah, you learn something new every day on the H word. That's right. Well, Dan, that was really great. Um, I hope you're ready for this interview. Oh uh, yeah, I am certainly. Can't yeah. wait to hear it. And to all the what did I say today? Viewers at home, uh, this is really exciting. Yeah, I'll intro it within viewers. so that you know who I'm talking to. Um, but Dan, I'll talk to you again next week. Sounds great. Talk to you then. Okay, bye. Uh, hi, I this is Becky, and I'm recording today in Dawson City, Yukon Territory. I have a very special guest with us. It's Georgia Hammond. Hi, Becky. Hello. Um, would you like to introduce yourself to those listening? And usually the question we ask is, how would you define yourself? Which also can mean, what do you do for a living? But like, you know, who are you? What are you into? What's your deal? Yeah. Uh, yeah, my name is Georgia Hammond. I live here in Dawson. I was born here. Um, what do I do? Uh, I What I do changes quite a bit. I think like largely, I guess I'm a cook. Um, so I do that in a variety of different capacities, but then I also run a small business that does uh, uh, artisan salts, vinegars, spices, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're from here originally, Dawson? Yeah. 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 Cool. So one of the reasons um, I specifically want to interview you and I want to interview people up here is that working, as I do, in media in the South, as it's called, or the outside? <laughs> Out East. Out East. <laughs> In southern Canada, um, I, I feel like northern perspectives are really missing from the conversation. So I want to take advantage of the opportunity because I was coming up here to sort of check in about this question that we're asking. The question every week that we ask here is, what's one thing this week that made you feel hopeful? We don't have to answer that quite yet. But um, 
you know, when I think about climate change, it feels very real here and obvious and present. Yeah, so that's definitely. my perspective. But I don't know what you have to say on it. Like, what's the vibe here? Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's sort of two part for me personally. Like, there definitely are changes here. When you look at you know um, places like Old Crow and the changes that they're seeing are really dramatic, and they're further north than us. But there are kind of changes. Um, uh, well, like the caribou migrations and stuff like that, where they're coming, when they're coming. Um, I'm not an expert on this kind of stuff. Um, but the, the community of Old Crow has recently, uh, declared a state of emergency for like that. If you're not aware of what Old Crow is, it's a, it's a First Nations community, very isolated, fly in only, and they rely really heavily on the natural environment and they have done so since forever. And so certain things like, um, lakes disappearing, um, just animals not being, you know, where they are usually or animals behaving differently. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of um, the chief of the Old Crow First Nation, the Vontek Witchin, has been doing a lot of really good uh, sort of awareness creating. So you can find that information online. But yeah, like, so when you look at places like Old Crow, it, it seems that they're having really dramatic impacts. Yeah. Whereas here, you know, there are definitely changes, but it's hard to maybe see them day to day. Or that's my impression. Right. And then because we are so connected to the outside, we're seeing what's happening everywhere else. And that can be sort of isolating because there's not a lot we can do about it from here. Right. Like yeah. you're seeing what's happening in your neighboring communities and feeling distant from them or f- even further. Even further, just everywhere in the world, you know, like we're kind of used to being isolated here. But what's happening you know, even just like Australia or, or places that are flooding, people who are losing shorelines, those kinds of things. Um, there yeah. are communities in Alaska that are falling into the sea. You Today, know, like, the news is calling for 75 centimeters of snow in Newfoundland. That's for any um, non-metric people. That's just a shit ton of snow. Yeah, my cousin, I was just communicating with her on Twitter and she's uh, they're all holed up in uh, their place in St. John. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's starting to feel like th- something that Dan and I, who's my co-host uh, back in Toronto, that we've sort of been saying is like, it, it, it feels like the news feels like what you would write at the beginning of an apocalyptic film. Definitely. <laughs> and today felt like that. And it's feeling like that more yeah. and more. Anyway, that's sort of where the notion of this podcast came from was trying to do something a bit useful. I mean, as useful as conversation can be. <laughs> Let's see. Um, but you were saying you were talking to a friend about this? Yeah, I thought it was funny that this was the subject of our conversation because I had just a very similar conversation with a friend of mine pre-Christmas about just kind of like what I was saying, like feeling really helpless here because, you know, there's these massive demonstrations happening all over the world and like I'm not going to get on a plane and fly to a climate protest right like that's <laughs> right yeah or you can get on a boat like Greta exactly like, like I'm not going to be walk. able to do that yeah. and so but meanwhile like where we live is is we're going to be very affected by all these changes so we were just kind of talking like what can we actually do besides share you know apocalyptic news stories on Facebook and so after Christmas we got together we had lunch uh, just last week and we thought well what are some things we can do and the first thing we came up with was just to start a Facebook group of Yukoners that was dedicated to actual action. So so rather than just, you know, getting together and talking about 
you know, the grim future, it's a place to share things like petitions or, or plan protests or just, you know, basically get together and maybe do things that will have some sort of effect. Amazing. Yeah. And I remember, um, what's your Twitter? We can plug it now. What's your Twitter handle? Is oh, it? at Axe and Crocus. Axe and Crocus. Um, you kind of posted some resolution stuff that was, I think, climate based. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? Um, your list of like, it was food security stuff as I recall. Yeah. Food security is a big one for us here because we are at the end of a road pretty much. And we have, you know, it's growing, but we have limited agricultural, you know, activity here. Um, So anyway, yeah, my resolutions were largely around reduction and self-reliance. So, you know, buy less things, but also grow more things. Mm -hmm. Um, We eat, uh, my husband and I eat mostly vegetarian and we eat what we hunt or fish. But um, going a step further from that, you know, I'd like to be a little bit more vegan in the future. Just like, again, like, especially here, we have the added kind of carbon cost of everything being trucked or flown to us. And so with each meal, I've been trying to make decisions about like how far did it come and what, you know, because sometimes meat might be the more, you know, friendly choice depending on where it comes from than something like tofu that's been flown in. Flown in and processed and all these things. Yeah, it's interesting. Like the the matrix of sort of carbon footprint can feel overwhelming but hunting and fishing do you do you both hunt and fish or uh, yeah no? oh you yeah do. we do yeah that i find really interesting in this conversation because i found in, in some sort of city circles of left-leaning stuff like that doesn't tend to enter the conversation but i'm from a more rural area partly as well yeah i've been starting to think about hunting and fishing um almost as like a privilege where we live because you know we go out on the river for a week or so we get a moose we bring it back that's you know healthy wild meat that we spent very little money to get that we feel comfortable about what that animal's been eating you know and so that's not something that and and we feel comfortable with the life that that animal's had exactly that's not really something anyone who lives in toronto can just go out and do so i mean i guess you could kill and eat a raccoon yeah you i wouldn't feel happy about what it was eating and yeah yeah exactly keeping a little bear i guess it's a bad idea so i think it's something like hunting is very much just a part of the culture here it's not something that really gets debated very often and you won't find too many people that uh have anything negative to say about that here but yeah lately i've been thinking about it more and more like something i have access to that you know is a a huge privilege for us. Yeah. Um, I had another question. This is this is unrelated to the larger topics. But um, when I reached out to you to, to uh, be on this, you were talking about feeling a bit crazy and being bushed. And I would love to have that explained to people. So what's your living situation? What's being bushed? Oh, yeah. Well, okay. So uh, I live out of town. Uh, so town, there's about 1500 people that live in Dawson in the winter. I live uh, 20 minutes out of the main town in a, a cabin and there's maybe a couple hundred people that live out where I live. And so uh, at temperatures like they are right now, which is minus 45 Celsius, um, yeah, it's we don't crazy. leave the house very yeah. often unless we have to because it, it's wear and tear in your vehicle. It's also just dangerous. You know, when I say 20 minutes from town, there's not much in between the town. And, and thank the- you for... <laughs> risking all of this to come and record this podcast. That's all right. We had to get to the liquor store today anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, it was, it was also nice, like, when, when Georgia got here, was like, oh, I should text Kyle and let him know that I'm here, safe. Yeah, that I made it to town. Just in, I mean, there's cell service, but just I like to check in. But yeah, so bushed is a word that people around here are probably pretty familiar with. It's usually more, um, you know, people go out to cabins for long periods of time, or I used to be a camp cook at a gold mine, so I'd be gone in the summer, you know, for six weeks, working 12 hours a day without seeing anybody. And when you come back into civilization, 
you get you're just like a bit uh haywire right <laughs> yeah in what ways though like i know i know you probably need to experience it to, to totally understand but i don't think i will or maybe in the future we'll all have to experience this i don't know yeah uh well it used to be when i used to come in and i would describe myself as bush sometimes it was literally just hearing the sound of my own voice it just like kind of freaks you out a little bit because you realize you have barely spoken for, and this isn't really the case now where I live. My husband and I obviously talk a lot, but when I used to work in the bush or people now who, who work trap lines and things like that, like when they come into town, it's literally just having a conversation with another human and you, it's almost like, I don't know, a little bit existentially frightening. <laughs> I don't know that's if that's amazing. a good way, no, way to describe it. but <laughs> That's amazing. It's funny, all these conversations, like I feel like in the themes of what we're talking about on this podcast, I listening to you say that I'm like maybe this is something that's within our future that we're all going to deal with a sort of isolation and yeah that's existential like, yeah. dread of being socialized again that's something I've been thinking about actually on a more hopeful note in a way is that like just thinking about our lives getting um smaller and more simpler and again that's something that like where I live is a lot more accessible than maybe somebody who lives in a large city but the idea of like shrinking down our needs and our sort of not even just needs, but just literally what we can have, I think is in a way kind of hopeful because there's all these connections that we even here where we live pretty close to the land, still lost a lot of those connections. So growing your own food, we raised turkeys last year for the first time ever, which was like a really How were they? It was, they were actually really cute and yeah. it was kind of hard. Yeah. But um, it was a really great experience and that sort of just like paring your life down to those simple things, I think will become a necessity for us up here because we are so isolated, but also I think that's positive. I think that's good well, in a way. This is this is interesting because I think about this all the time too, living in the biggest city in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, we all can simplify yeah, in one way or another. I mean, we have way too much shit and also not only too much, but like the wrong stuff, inessential stuff, totally. noise, just clutter. And yeah, actually walking into this decade, I think that's something that everybody should be considering. Like I... I'm a little confused with the cognitive dissonance of like the news being like the, the oceans are full of plastic and <laughs> Australia's on fire. And then the ads in between for just absolute shit you don't need. Yeah, that's something that again, like we're, I'm at least fairly isolated from here. Like we don't have, um, I don't have cable TV, so I, I barely see commercials. And when I do see them, they don't apply to me. There isn't a subway here. There isn't a, you know, Sephora here. So I kind of am able to drown out that kind of stuff. But when I go somewhere in a city, it, it doesn't take long for me to start being like, oh, I need this or I need huh. that. And actually another good example of that is like when we quit buying meat, suddenly there was just like whole sections of the grocery store that I didn't have to go to anymore. And I found that relieving in a way, like less stressful to be like, my grocery store, my grocery store trip has been simplified. And that's not frustrating. It's almost like a relief. Yeah, in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what else is I going to ask you? Uh, well, we could get to the question and go from there. Was there one thing this week that made you feel hopeful? Or uh, or not this week, it can also just be recently. Yeah, well, it's been, if people aren't aware, we've been in the middle of a two-week, well, I don't know if we're in the middle, hopefully we're near the end, of a two-week uh, really cold stretch here of about minus 45. And this is, how, how unusual is this? Because last time I was here last year, it was also minus 45. Yes, it's not unusual to get to minus 45, um, but it is extremely cold. It's not like our normal... Uh, functioning temperature and it is unusual now to have a two-week stretch. It was funny yesterday I went through a historic climate, some historic climate data because I thought it must have 
been this cold when I was a kid. You know, when you listen to people in the bar talk, they're like, yeah. it's 60 below every single day. And you're like, that's, that's not true yeah, for, for anyone listening. That isn't true. Like that, <laughs> I've been living here for 35 years. It's not the case. But when you look through those data from like when I was born, um, it, there were longer stretches, you know, we, with three weeks at 40, 35 below wasn't abnormal. Now it's quite unusual to get colder than 35 for this long. I see. So yeah. it's getting warmer overall. Yeah. But it's still. Yeah. And then that can be frustrating because, you know, then suddenly it's like, oh, well, it's 45 below. So I guess everything's OK. <laughs> You're like, well, that's not the that's case. That's not the case. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so you were saying like because it's been this long. Oh, yeah. Um yeah, just on the subject of hopefulness, it is a little bit hard to feel hopeful in these uh, these temperatures. But this time of year um, is when the sun comes back here. And so right. it is actually a time of year where I do find myself be more optimistic. So like got pretty like, you know, dark and gloomy in December about things like climate, about things like, you know, just this overwhelming problem that I don't see any way f for myself to participate in solving. But then the sun kind of starts to come back and you start to go out again and see your friends and stuff and that. So having this conversation with my friend last week to start this Facebook group, I would, you know, that c connecting people who are all having the same experience has made me feel pretty hopeful because there are people in the Yukon who are like, you know, they have money, they want to know where to put it, they have time, they want to know what to do with it, they want um, to crowdsource ideas for reducing our footprint, they want to grow things, they want to farm animals, you know, so I think that has made me feel hopeful this week, probably. Yeah, the independent spirit, I feel, is very much alive here, more so than what Toronto has become, in my opinion, and in my experience. Um, are you involved in a lot of, like, community organizing and stuff? Um, I have been in the past. Um, now... It sort of depends on the project, but yeah, like, so we've got a music festival every year here yeah. and literally everybody you'll talk to is pretty heavily involved in organizing that. <laughs> Actually, that's true. I yeah. noticed that. Everyone's always like, at the festival, we this. And I was like, is everybody Yeah, there? the festival has one, or well, two employees, so the everything else is all of the rest of us. So that's a big one. But otherwise, yeah, like I try to stay involved in, in what's going on in it town It just feels for sure. like you're really involved. Or maybe I'm just an isolated Toronto person. It's <laughs> like, that's just normal here. You have to be engaged in other people. Yeah. Lately, I've been more and more involved in the sort of agricultural community. So I've been trying to um, spend time. There's a local farmers forum. I've been trying to spend time with those people and figure out ways where I can use my time and energy to sort of um, amplify what they're up to. So we've been working on trying to make like um, um Lo uh, celebrations of local food, um, that kind of stuff. So that's been kind of what I've been working on lately. And there's like a really cool group of farmers here. There's people growing all, we have a guy who grows apples. Like it's really cool. There's really neat things happening. And sometimes I think it's hard for, you know, it's hard for us to get that out and seen, but it's true. Like, Wait, the, you is know. apples weird here? Well, it's it not an apple climate. Okay, no, that's yeah. what I mean. <laughs> as far as I know, I he's know. the only person in the Yukon that grows apples. Amazing. Uh, and he grows pears. He grows grapes. Indoors? Like, uh, I guess so. Yeah, I'm actually, John Leonard is his name. And You guys uh, can look him up. And yeah, you should. He's a really cool guy. Yeah. Yeah. One would imagine there must be a greenhouse that I don't know uh, yeah, I think survive so, yeah. the winter. Oh, yeah. wow. Cool. Um, and oh, I just forgot my question. <laughs> Stacy, maybe cut this out as I think. <laughs> <laughs> what was I thinking about? I was so clever and I was so ready to ask you stuff. Oh, I got it. Okay, Stacy, sorry about that. <laughs> um, okay, so talking about the cycle of the year is really interesting because um, that comes up so often here, the psychology of what the, the this extreme light and extreme climate does to people. Um but I think uh, in a pagan sense, and I'm not necessarily a pagan, but I'm interested in <laughs> Not <these>. necessarily. <laughs> I don't know what I am. I don't want to lay claim or co-opt anybody's religion. But um, 
I do think about, I do, it does sort of resonate with me, the pagan sense of the cycle of the year. And like the sun coming up really is a like, okay, back at it. And I think it's like a day, like the year is like a day. And uh, I was here yesterday to see sun hit the mountains. Now, I also learned last year what sunrise and sunset are in a way that I didn't understand before. Because I've always lived in places with water, like the ocean or right. Lake Ontario. So I remember, I can't remember who I asked, but I, I ended up asking someone like, what, what is sunset? And she was <laughs> like, I know what you're asking. <laughs> and the answer is the nautical horizon. Yes. So when you live in a river valley, like Dawson is in, or Whitehorse is also in, uh, they say there's a sunrise, but there's no sun. That's right. Right. So yeah. we've just hit the point where like, the sun's rays can hit your skin potentially. Yeah, I think that's the big difference people don't get about when we say, you know, we don't see the sun for X amount of days or weeks. We don't mean it, it's pitch black. We mean we don't see the sunlight. So it gets light. And my husband would be better at this because he's sort of obsessed with this kind of stuff, which I think is nautical twilight or something like that. There, there's a name for that kind of light where this you and partially it's the geography, like there's mountains. And so that's part of it. But like, also, it's just that the sun doesn't come up far enough up the horizon to to reach us but it does get light yeah for a few hours a day but so then I think, yeah the, the sun touching you or touching things you can see it seems to do something to people it does 100 percent. yeah and does and that feels like the more hopeful moment yes i find it so fascinating that like sad conversations in december turned into forward motion in january well i feel like around the solstices went like and you're right that we really live by the seasons here so you know and i a lot of my work revolves around foraging and growing things yeah. and so when in the summer spring summer you know i just go by what's in season and things take a really sort of like um they sort of just each take turns and it's two weeks at a time and so you've got spruce tips and then rose petals and and so on and so forth. With Wait, no, which ones? I want to know. Which. So you got <laughs> so, spruce tips and rose petals, like wild rose? Yeah, wild rose petals and then fireweed usually. And then you start to get into berry season. So like raspberries. And then once it starts to frost, uh, low bush, which is like could be September. Uh, or last year we had a frost in July, which was crazy. But um, oh my God. So yeah, low bush cranberries, high bush cranberries, and blueberries. And so then once the blueberries, uh, sorry, once the low bush cranberries are gone, end of September, then personally, I have a season of preserving. So I have, you know, dehydrating and canning and whatever else. And then, um, then it becomes the solstice and there's really nothing to do in those, that period of time for me anyway. And then once it's January and the sun comes back, I'm now ordering seeds. I'm making sure I have, you know, everything I clearing literally every surface in my house to start planting seeds. And so that it, it's almost like there's like a little springtime in my house in around the end of February, because that's when everything starts to come up out of their little pots. And then, you know, that's the job for two months, and then everything goes into the ground. And then we sort of start all over again. And, and that's my how my seasonal rotation works. Anyway, well, but. there's a lot of people here who kind of don't work in the winter, like, yeah, the, the money is made in the summer, you kind of spread it out over the year. And there's a there's a certain craziness, although I've never been here in the summer. And I've heard that there's also a summer craziness. Yes because no one sleeps yes everyone's like manic maybe yeah. i don't know i think people here it is true that there are a lot of people that work seasonally but there aren't very many people who are um what's the word like uh sedentary in the winter you have to be busy or you, no there's stuff yeah, yeah. it's not working exactly yeah so there's lots of time 
to put into stuff. But then, yeah, you're right. In the summer, too, we get like every single weekend here is something. Yeah. So maybe well, we're just it, always busy. Well, it seems like in the summer, like multiple people have told me like, well, in the summer, I just don't sleep very much. So you probably have time for all your yes. volunteer work, all your hobbies and your job because everyone's totally just wild. You just don't sleep as much. That's, it's true. I, yeah. And I've been sleeping a phenomenal amount. <laughs> yeah. I'm very confused. It was pitch black at 9 a.m. <laughs> My body doesn't know what's happening. It's definitely the morning like it, the sun goes down early everywhere in Canada this time of year, but it's the morning that people – it doesn't get light until – I don't even know what time it's getting light right now. but Maybe 10. Yeah, probably about 10. Really. Um, and where do you forage? Where do you have, What lands do you have access to? Um, well, I – you know, just everywhere here, like so much of the Yukon is un, is not untouched, obviously, but undeveloped. And so there's a lot of uh, roads that give you access, old mining roads or, you know, the Dempster. There's lots of trails, different right. places. You know, I have a few places that I've been picking berries since I was a kid. Um, yeah, I just pretty much anywhere that isn't, you know, along the side of the highway. Okay. You have, so so you, there's a lot of access. Um, okay, here's a question that's, again, we're supposed to be speaking about hope. This might right. be a little dark. <laughs> but one of the things that really strikes me here, having been like a big city girl, is uh, is the isolation. And um, there is a reliance on civilization in order to survive. So what if we hit points where that's cut off? And that certainly has happened in oh, Boston. Oh, absolutely. There, uh, two years ago, uh, something closed the highway, like a mudslide maybe, mm-hmm. and the, the shelves in Whitehorse um, dried up you know, within a day. And Whitehorse is, I don't know if you know the population off the top of your head. Like it's like 25,000 people, yeah. maybe 30,000. Yeah. So that's about the size. That's a lot of people to need food. Yeah. And we're even further up the supply line than them. And so, you know, um, the grocery store here ended up having to like charter a special plane to bring stuff up from Edmonton. And so that was a huge wake up call for the Yukon when that happened. And we, and since then I've real we've really seen, or I've noticed a, uh, a sort of like kick in the butt to the local agriculture industries and stuff like that. Like we've got actually, um, we've got a really cool project here that the local first nation, the Tronicwichin is responsible for, and they have a farm out of town and their goal is, um, to, to be so, uh, provide, you know, be somewhat more self-reliant for their citizens here. And, and it's a teaching farm as well. So they have um, their youth go out and learn to work the land, learn to grow things. And they they grow things in a, you know, a very like holistic, organic way. And that farm, I think, has been a source of hope for a lot of people. So they're able to go and drop off boxes of produce and stuff to all of their citizens. And that was largely spurred on by the like reality that we need to be able to be self-reliant. Do you know, how long has your family been in this area? Um, my parents both moved here, in, one in 1978, one in 1979, but actually my grandfather was born here um, oh, wow. and then moved when he was a teenager and then my dad moved back here. So we sort of, there was like half a generation where we weren't here, but before that, uh, quite a long time. I, my, I've had a, my, one of my, or my great, great, great grandfather was a Robert Campbell's right-hand man. So they've been going around giving rivers that already had names names for quite a while <laughs> unfortunately they're putting colonial names on well the like, Stewart river is named after a family i see a uh, member of mine it's been something that's been on my mind lately because obviously the, that river is named the nacho they're the nacho nyack river it's not it had a name anyway that's a bit of a digression oh, no but, i feel that out here a lot yeah. i mean i'm from vancouver and i grew up there and there were things i kind of didn't notice but going down walking around in downtown vancouver it's like these are the names of a bunch of bad Dude, yeah, you know, like, and it's over and over and over again. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, not to go too deep down this rabbit hole, but it's like these are areas where um, a lot of people whose whose people have been in the province for much longer before it was a province, um, 
are in tough situations walking by these names and it's really it really strikes you yeah i've been thinking a lot about that lately just researching my family tree and and thinking about you know that period of time of like quote unquote exploring the yukon or whatever <laughs> i know and to me i to me i have such like a like a fantasies about frontier stuff. i really do love it and i don't like that about myself like <laughs> I mean, yeah. the The spirit of survival, I think, is something to celebrate across humanity. Like we, we were out in the woods everywhere trying to figure it out. Um, but as a as a British Columbian, feeling like that's part of my identity, it's like, well, is it? Yeah, it's funny here in the Yukon because there's a lot of like lore around the gold rush and that like pioneer spirit and that sort of survivalist spirit and which is totally fair like that took a lot of grit there's no denying that people who came up here for the gold rush that's an insane endeavor but the reality is that like this land has always held people who were able to survive in it which is just like uh, a really inspiring thing to think about I think about that a lot when I'm berry picking and stuff is that like people have lived on this land for as long as they've lived literally anywhere else and they survived. And that's hopeful to me because I'm like, people did it. It can be done. It was done for tens of thousands of years. We just need to like refocus on how to do it. And we need to make sure in any way that we can not to erase the knowledge. Yeah, exactly. So uh, this was all to ask sort of how much you do know about the history of, um, of the land and, farming was there farming or mostly foraging do you know these things um there's a bit of a like farming history here and again like i'm not the most knowledgeable but um during the gold rush and i think after like i only know this mostly actually from maps like when i we canoe the stewart river and the yukon river you know you can sort of see places where there used to be like farmland and stuff like that and like where i live out at henderson corner was a hay farm until the uh, maybe 70s or something. So there's definitely been farming here at least in the like since the turn of the century. And then before that, I think largely trapping and nomadic. Like certainly the indigenous people that live here lived a fairly nomadic lifestyle, moving from fish camps to caribou camps around that way. Yeah, an old crow. So I was reading like a pamphlet thing on one of the airplanes I was on. It was sort of a fishing, Mm -hmm. seasonal fishing camp that then got settled again around the turn of the last century but there was a thing in the in the brochure saying uh they've even started a community farm i mean we're over the arctic circle but they've done it it was kind of yeah. the town. it was like they might have some vegetables but it, there's some know. really cool farming stories coming out of the north i think in nuvik has like a year-round greenhouse now or something i think it's nuvik and yeah it's pretty inspiring because yeah. like those are the people who are really cut off from yeah, or well, will be cut off. <laughs> and it's that thing of like you're six me- meals away from society collapsing. Right. Like if people don't eat six meals in a row, they'll, they'll all go nuts. And Yeah. And that, that thought scares me a lot right now. I think you'll find like food security is on a lot of people's minds here in Dawson. And there's a lot of people being extremely proactive about it, yeah. which is it's, awesome. It's on my mind in Toronto. And I like my husband and I keep a container garden, but it's so like, it's like, great. So if society falls apart, I can eat these like seven green beans. <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking that because like, mostly I co- I grow or I have been growing more from a culinary perspective. So I grow like a ton of herbs yeah, and those types of things. Yeah, and then I can this, handle that on my last year, I'm like, well, I can't live on basil. Like I have to grow things that can like potatoes or carrots that can be stored or cabbages that can be fermented. Like I need to be able to grow things that can actually nourish me, not just like rosemary. Yeah. <laughs> like, but do you, and it, do you have land? Like, yeah, we will land. We have, um, I mean like, like as again, as a city person, I have right. a balcony. So to me, I'm like any amount of food you can grow, you should. So even if it is herbs, even if it is mm-hmm. arugula has been a really good one. Yeah. Like I can actually get some amount of food out of that. Yeah. But 
Yeah, know, well, we, yeah, we soil, have you two can't. acres of land. So okay. that is a lot compared to like a balcony for sure. And we every year we're expanding the amount of that that we're growing on. So yeah. And or raising turkeys on or that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm not going to share what I was hopeful about because I already did that with Dan. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're sorting out how to do this uh, separately. But this has been an amazing conversation, Georgia. Well, I, th- I appreciate you asking me. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Um, I was just going to say that... Uh, Again, on the subject of hopefulness, it's really great that people like you are willing to come here in the stead of winter because something that keeps people in Dawson going is the arts community here. And having people who are willing to come from Toronto to 45 Below to tell us jokes is like an incredible uh, uplift for us. So I appreciate that. Yeah, it's funny. Like meeting, I came here last year and like I see people in the grocery store and I'm like, I'm a kind of a celebrity. Yeah, totally. People are like, you were here last year in the winter. <laughs> and it's, I think last year, like, um, the kayak center that presented us, Matt Sardi said, like a tenth of the town is here. Yeah, I think you guys were a big deal last year. I don't. I think we don't get a ton of comedy, and everyone here is like, it makes sense to me that that would be popular here. Well, this is amazing for me to hear because I definitely feel useless staring down what's <laughs> happening in the news. So I'm, I'm glad that like lifting spirits and bringing people together to laugh is good. Yeah, cool. Um, and people can find you on Twitter at Accent Crocus and um, on Instagram. Yeah, at Axe and Crocus as well. That's same my business. Um, yeah. Cool. You should buy your stuff. Do you ship or do you sell local? I ship. Uh, I sell local at craft markets, Christmas bazaars. I do ship, although this time of year I don't ship any of the vinegars because they freeze and break, but I ship other <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I've had that go wrong too many times. Amazing. So yeah. check her out. Order some stuff. Uh, not vinegar. You're not going to be able to get it. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.